Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Akun Wong, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Trevor Stores from the Full Press Coverage Rough District, and of course, right here on FTT. How you doing, Trev? I'm good, man. How are you this evening? Uh, all right, doing really good. And with us today, joining us, is the godfather of Football Garbage Time, former editor-in-chief of Football Point, Scott King. What's up, Scott? Hey, guys. How's it going? Uh, terrific, and I will say this, you guys know this, we just talked about this pre-show, but this is our 300th episode. How amazing is that? 300 episodes. I can't believe that um, anybody cares to listen to that many episodes of us, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> but seven and a half years, 300 episodes. Hey guys, you know what? You know what? There are other shows. This puts us in the league of a lot of other shows now, just FYI. Here are some shows who have had 300 episodes. The Simpsons, Family Guy, Grey's Anatomy, NCIS, and Law and & Order SVU. All have had over 300 episodes. We are now amongst those shows. Isn't that, a, isn't that amazing? We, The Simpsons, Family Guy, we're all going to be mentioned in the same breath now. Isn't that amazing? That's pretty wild. <laughs> That's awesome. It's a nice milestone to read. Hey, and you know there's another show... That's over 300 episodes. Uh, Degrassi, The Next Generation. Have you guys ever heard of this before? Oh, yeah. That was a great startup right there. Yeah, there you go. See, that's right. Exactly. This is where Drake got to start, actually. And it's like, um, for those who don't know, Degrassi, The Next Generation, was like Beverly Hills 90210, but it's in Canada, and basically everyone is poor. <laughs> that's basically the uh, <laughs> that's basically Degrassi in a nutshell there. Scott, are you aware of Degrassi, The Next Generation? It was like Canadian TV right. pop show. I had heard of it, but I never watched it. Yeah, I, 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 I watched it. I won't suggest you go back and watch it. <laughs> but if you want to see classic Drake before he became Drake, that's where you go. That's some, that some fun stuff right there. So there you go. We and Drake have something in common. Who knew that was going to happen? All right, plenty to talk about today as we discuss head coach hiring, best and worst New offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators across the NFL. Players to watch on the upcoming NFL Combine and so much more. So let's get rolling. So guys, I got to say, I kind of wish I brought a cake with me, although you guys are really far away. So uh, <laughs> I'd just be eating cake by myself. But wow, I can't believe it. And we get, and we're going to top it off today by talking about head coaches because there's been a lot of head coach movement and new hirings since the end of the regular season and now since the end of the Super Bowl. So we're going to talk about each of those, and then we're going to talk about our favorite and least favorite offensive or defensive coordinator hiring. And I already have an idea of who you are going to pick, Trev. <laughs> I have a really good idea <laughs> of who you're going to pick as your favorite uh, offensive coordinator hiring. So let's start, though, with the head coaches. Houston Texans, they get D'Amico Ryans. Ryans actually turned down coaching interviews in the 2021 season. In order to accrue experience to the San Francisco 49ers, he came back to the sideline in 2022, promptly turned his defense into the top-ranked uh, 49ers defense that unfortunately got run over by the Eagles, but, hey, that's not really his fault. Uh, but he ends up uh, over in the Houston Texans. What are your thoughts here, um, Trev, on the Houston Texans and Demico Ryans? I think it's a great hire, a great pickup. 
Um, obviously, it didn't work out with Levy Smith, who's a seasoned head coach in the league, right. which is too bad. Uh, I still think they didn't give that man a chance. One year, no. not a chance to come in and fix uh, a football team. But it is what it is. It's business at the end of the day. So I think it's a great pickup. Young coach, defensive-minded. Uh, it's a young team over there with a bunch of no names, but a lot of young players. So gives them a chance to grow and build that continuity together rather than having Levy Smith teach a bunch of young guys or vice versa. So I think it's great. We'll see, we'll right. see how it happens. Yeah, and I love Lovey Smith, uh, not only because he won that game at the end of the season to give the Bears the first overall draft pick, but he is a good coach, and they definitely hired him to fail. Uh, that's, that's my read on what the Texans did there. What do you think here, Scott, on the D'Amico Ryan's hire as the new head coach of the Houston Texans? Yeah, I, I think it's a good hire for them. They've got the connection with him back from his playing days, so he can get the fan base going, but as a fan of a team that has made terrible decisions for many years, I mean, the Texans are just burning through coaches. It's just <laughs> total disarray, and they have to just stick with something and go. And and um, hopefully they do that with, with him and give him some runway to, to figure his way out. But um, they ha- they're going to just be terrible for a long time if they don't stop this carousel. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And it's it's actually kind of funny when you think back on the Houston Texans and you think there was a point in time in history when the Houston Texans had Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, and J.J. Watt in his prime. And they really weren't able to do anything with that. You know, it's, it's amazing what bad coaching can do and what good coaching can do. So, yeah, I agree. I think this is a good pickup. Uh, they're taking a chance. I think uh, they need to build up everywhere. So you get the best possible guy for the job. Let's turn to the next uh, one. This is a big one. And uh, we didn't talk about this in the previous episode because we were talking about the Super Bowl and other things. But Denver Broncos, uh, they get Sean Payton. And uh, the former Super Bowl winning head coach, is, uh, who arguably turned the undersized Drew Brees into a Hall of Famer, he gets to see if he can reclaim Denver's massive investment in Russell Wilson. Uh, Denver actually had to trade for Payton since he was still under contract and gave up their 2023 first round pick and next year's second round pick for Peyton and state and the saints, 2024 third round pick. And remember that the Broncos already traded away a first round pick in the upcoming draft, which due to Wilson's cratering of the offense resulting in the lowest ranked scoring offense in the league resulted in a top five draft pick for the Seattle Seahawks. So Sean Payton to the Denver Broncos, was he worth the price? Scott, we'll start with you on this one. Yeah, I I think there's definitely, you know, an, an amazing coach. And is he worth the price they got for him? You know, probably. But the problem they have is they've basically given away the next several years of the draft. They're, right. they're in a, you know, the next two years mode. And I don't think enough was said at how much Russell Wilson sucked this year. It was <laughs> It was awful. And yeah. to see Geno Smith come in and, and basically have a run at the MVP award and take that team to the playoffs when the thought was that Seattle was going to be tanking. I mean, Wilson is awful. If he if he has another bad year, the Broncos are going to be bad for the next five years. Mm-hmm. Right, right. You know, it's amazing. If, and you bring up a good point. It, it makes you wonder how much of Russell Wilson was Russell Wilson. And how much of it was the system that he was in? Because, as you said, Geno Smith was basically a cast-off, right? I mean, everyone had given up on him. And 
he had an all-pro year, and he is now in line to be their franchise quarterback, and they got a top-five draft pick out of parting ways with Russell Wilson, who was kind of, you know, uh, unhappy with the team anyway. So that is quite quite something here. But um, Sean Payton, geez, I don't know if he's going to turn things around. Hey, Trev, what do you think here about the Sean Payton uh, hiring by the Denver Broncos? I mean, it's automatically a great coach, just stepping from the success he had in New Orleans. But like Scott was saying, what you had to give up and that whole deal and everything to get him, it's pretty much now you're just depending on free agency to help build your squad to be better instead of the draft because you don't have any draft picks and all your money is tied up to Russell Wilson. So like you also said, Akun, how much of it was Russell, how much of it was not. But right. either way, I know how much the salary cap is and that's pretty much all Russell Wilson. So it's like, right. like Scott said, if you're not, if they're in win mode now, cause they have the pieces to do that, but it doesn't happen this year or next year, you're stuck with Russell Wilson and you're going to be pretty bad with a good head coach, a good core, a decent quarterback, and no other help because you don't have any draft uh, picks. So. so that's an interesting yeah. move on Peyton. I, yeah. I, I think I agree with everything you just said there, and I will say this. This is how I feel about them giving up draft picks to Sean Payton. I just think it's nuts. <laughs> I think it's absolutely insane, guys. I just I have to say it's insane. You don't have draft picks to burn right now, and Denver is spiraling out of control. And this year, they got they got what? two third-round picks, a fourth-round pick, and a fifth-round pick, and maybe a sixth-round pick. I mean, that's not going to do it. And they don't have a ton of cap space left either. So this is – I mean, they re-signed Russell Wilson. I mean, they, they are committed to him, and this is going to be a massive albatross on them. Can Sean Payton, Payton turn it around? I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not thinking that he can't. I'm not saying he can't. But giving up a first-round pick um, and a second-round pick next year, I mean, they have entered the coffers. There is nothing left in the Denver Broncos coffers for the draft this year or next year so I, I guess we'll see let's turn on to another one let's talk to the Cal- about the Carolina Panthers here they get Frank Reich so Panthers interim head coach Steve Wilkes went six and six in his 12 games which by the way is more wins than predecessor Matt Rule had in either of his two full seasons in, in Carolina while Wilkes had the support of his locker room he didn't have the support of the team owner David Tepper who decided to hire Reich instead Reich took a revolving door of past expiration veteran quarterbacks and coached the Indianapolis Colts to a 40, 33 and one record and two playoff appearances in four plus seasons. So it's not like Reich is damaged goods here, but let's start with you, Trev. What do you think about the hiring of Frank Wright by the Carolina Panthers? Oh, it's interesting. I thought once he you know, lost his job at, at Indy, he'd be back NFL as a coordinator or assistant of yeah. some sport position coach, mm-hmm. but not necessarily a head coach, but he goes to Carolina. It's just, it's hard to really judge, but if you're basing off last year or your, the past two years, I mean, you had Carson Wentz, you had Jonathan Taylor, you had a pretty good defense at the highest paid off of the line, and you went 9-8 right. and eight in the playoffs. And then the next year, you go get Matt Ryan, spend a whole bunch of money on him for who knows why. I guess because of his name, but other than that. <laughs> right, that's basically And it. you get fired. You still have Jonathan Taylor. You still have the same offensive line. You still have the same receiving core, and you get fired midway through the season. Um. Then you go to Carolina, who pff, traded their best player away and somehow almost was, was a one win away from making the playoffs in the crappy division. Right. So then you add Frank Reich. I mean, I guess it's good for Carolina in the long run because he is a, a seasoned vet coach and he you know was in Philadelphia with Carson during his heyday and this and that. But, I mean, I guess he's bringing in a good staff to help him go along with this coaching job. So, I mean, and just wait and see who the quarterback is too. 
So it's a lot of questions about this hire, in my opinion. So it is what it is. Yeah, no, I agree. And of course, they are also, and you did mention there, they're starting to fill out his staff. He did manage to also bring in uh, Jim Bob Cooter as his offensive coordinator. Yeah. Man, I, I love that name, <laughs> Jim Bob Cooter. Uh, former Detroit guy, I believe. So, Scott, what do you think about uh, Frank Reich's hiring in uh, for the Carolina Panthers? Yeah, you're getting ahead of me on the Jim Bob, Bob Cooter hire. Um, that, that was mine for later in the show. But um, <laughs> Frank Reich, um, I actually hate this hire. The Colts were the 12th. They had the 12th best odds to win the Super Bowl going into last year. They had better odds than the Eagles, Vikings, um, Giants, Seahawks, all these teams that made the playoffs. Right. He completely lost control of a veteran team that was, you know, supposed to at least make the playoffs, right? right. I mean, they were – they were likely the favorite of the South to, to win it. And the team completely imploded. He, I drafted Jonathan Taylor first in multiple leagues. Yeah. They forgot that was, he was on the team. And so <laughs> this is just that retread of another coach. And yeah. I really think Wilkes should have gotten the job and and i i really don't like this there's nothing you know if anything reich had you know his time in in indy and the team really regressed and they you know i just don't i just don't like it i I think they should have given somebody else a chance and i don't think he's going to be able to build this team up into anything and he's probably lost the locker room right now because they wanted the other you know the other guy so he's got to now rebuild that based on what his reputation of driving Indy into the ground. So yeah, this one I'm, I'm not, not like him. Yeah, you know it's interesting uh, because I understand, and, and was, as Trev mentioned, he's a veteran coach. He has a lot of experience. He actually didn't do that poorly in terms of win loss record in Indianapolis. But then again, this is how I feel about Frank Wright going to the Panthers. That's right. I think it's absolutely nuts too here because this doesn't make any sense to me. Steve Wilkes should have gotten the job, obviously. I mean, they're in a rebuilding year for the Carolina Panthers, basically, and we saw what uh, Steve Wilkes was able to do with basically no one. Um, and and like I said, he he exceeded what Matt Rule was able to do in each of his previous two full seasons uh, in just twelve games. So you know, give him a full seventeen, see what he can do, and and see where you go from there because the locker room is behind him and um, Frank Reich has done nothing in order to say uh, to me that he is a team, he's a guy who can rebuild a team because he had that chance in Indy. And as you said, Scott, he did not do that. So let's get on to the, talking about the Indianapolis Colts, let's talk about the Indianapolis Colts and their hiring of Shane Steichen. The Colts hired Steichen, the former Eagles offensive coordinator, as their next head coach on February 14th. They didn't waste any time <laughs> go ahead and hiring him. And uh, Indianapolis is now turning to uh, Steichen to help forge a high-powered offense, just like he did in his two-year stint in Philadelphia, which, of course, we all know culminated in an appearance in Super Bowl 57. So what do you think here, Scott? We'll go to you first about Indianapolis Colts and Shane Steichen. Yeah, I think this is your typical, you know, situation where a team has a great season and coordinators are getting – you know, sucked up and, and heading to other places and giving a chance to coach. So, you know, we'll see what he can do. He's got a lot of work to do. There, there's plenty of talent in Indy. They do need a quarterback, which they're in position, I think, to get a really good young quarterback. So 
he's not going, you know, the Texans, I don't know what their strength would be, but the Colts have talent. Hmm. So I think he'll be in position to, um, you know, to have some success, especially if he grabs one of these young quarterbacks and, and is able to develop them quickly. Yeah, I totally agree. Sneaky good defense and Jonathan Taylor, maybe he can rise from the dead after misuse through an entire year and some potential injury issues there. So what do you think here, uh, Trev, about the hiring of Shane Steichen to the Indianapolis Colts as their new head coach? Yeah, I have to piggyback on what Scott said and also like just because you came from a team that had success doesn't mean you can do it as a head coach. I mean, he did have Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, right. Miles Sanders, Dallas yes. Goddard. Okay. Now you're going to Indianapolis Colts where you don't have a quarterback. You have a, a ailing Jonathan Taylor. You can't seem to stay healthy with bad ankles. And where Michael Pittman is your wide receiver number one. So good <laughs> luck. No. I mean, didn't know who he was before this past Super Bowl uh, season. So I disagree with Scott. It's another one of those based on the one season, office coordinator, you get the job and then go from there. So best of yeah. luck, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I do think there was a little bit of a, I think they're expecting too much out of um, out of a guy, and I think it is basically because of the appearance in the Super Bowl that got him there. I do think that honestly, what he built in in Philly was based around making that ground game first with the high powered uh, kind of offense um, around it, high powered passing offense around it. You know, they had he used Jalen Hurst. Hurts and he had uh, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott, all got into the, the swing of things. The one missed disconnect for me is he doesn't like using, you know, a bell cow back like Jonathan Taylor. And that doesn't seem to fit well with what the Colts have. So I, I do find that to be interesting. I think if they get a, uh, a kind of dual threat quarterback in there, maybe he can make some hay in, in Indianapolis, but I am still on the fence about this one. Um, so let's go ahead and turn to the next one. And that is the Arizona Cardinals. They hired Jonathan Gannon, who was on the other side of that Super Bowl 57 losing team, the Eagles, as a defensive coordinator. He's been there since 2021, uh, and they, they also wasted no time. They grabbed him on February 14th as well. We all know what Gannon did in Philly. He turned that defense into the number one passing defense in the NFL, which had the three most, the third most sacks in regular season NFL history. So uh, no small feat here, but Jonathan Gannon gets grabbed up by the Arizona Cardinals' new head coach, Trev. What do you think about this hiring of uh, their new head coach? The same thing as Shane, Shane Spiken for offensive side of the ball. Um, you go to the Super Bowl with, yeah, you'd be the lead in sacks, but you also have Fletcher Cox, Hargrave, um, Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick, yeah, of course. Sue, Linval Joseph. Like, he went and beat that up during the season, but, like, before that, nobody mentioned your name. Before that, I've never heard of Jonathan Gannon. So it's just another thing, like, the offensive side of the ball, one good year and get promoted to go to a crappy team and just think they can turn around. But it's going to be hard. I mean, you're a defense coach going to a, a – at least you have a franchise quarterback, but you really don't know him that well because he right. plays quarterback on defense. You just know how to play against him. So it's going to be, it's going to be weird. Uh, best of luck to him, too, over there in Arizona. So it happens. All right. So, what do you got there uh, uh, with uh, what do you got here, uh, Scott, with this uh, hiring of uh, Jonathan Gannon? Yeah, I think what's interesting about this one is just how quickly um, Arizona fell apart, right? I mean, they were, um, you know, making playoff runs and and seemingly had talent, and then just things fell apart and they they moved on pretty quickly. So. Yeah, you've got a quarterback 
a relatively young quarterback who's struggling to find his way. You bring in a defensive coach, you know, it just it's just not adding up. And right. um, I think it'll be a struggle. This is Kyler's last chance in Arizona uh, to show he can get it going. So, yeah, they've got some work to do there. And I would have thought they would have wanted to bring in an offensive coach to be able to connect with them more. But maybe they just couldn't get anybody that wanted the job. So, you know, hopefully yep. Kyler's racking up some cod points in the offseason. Yeah, I totally agree with both of you here. I don't, I don't get, I don't know what the Cardinals are trying to do. Um, obviously, yeah. Jonathan Gannon, great defensive coordinator, but it's not the defense that needs fixing in Arizona. I mean, it, it does, but it really everything needs fixing. And if they don't get their offense going, and they're just gonna they're gonna lose out on the best years of Kyler Murray's career, and and that's not gonna that's not gonna be good. You know, I just don't see how they don't get somebody offensive minded to get in there. I mean, he hired uh, Eagles linebacker coach Nick Rallis as his defensive coordinator. That makes sense to me. Uh, based on the fact that they had the, that very high-pressure defense in, in Philadelphia. But then he hired uh, the Browns quarterback coach, Drew Petzing, as the offensive coordinator. That seems uh, like a head-scratching move to me because you need to get an off, a really uh, surefire, offensive-minded, well-trusted, war-trusted, you know, battle-ready offensive coordinator in there. Um, and, and it didn't. They didn't. I, I, nothing about the Browns quarterback give me any confidence <laughs> that they can turn anything around in Arizona. So um, that's very strange to me. All right, let's go to the best OCDC and worst OCDC. Trev, we'll start with you. What is the best offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator hiring uh, so far this season? Oh, man, I'm going to have to say, obviously, Eric Bieniemy to the Washington Commanders. Yep. Um, not just because I'm a fan, but I literally think it was. I know everybody and their mother saying lateral move, but I think it's the first time in his uh, – coaching career he's been giving assistant head coach position That's and right. full control of play calling and building yes. offensive stats and to co- contribute to his play calling so and yep. he had a payable multi-year deal i think it's great um bring him in if we're rolling with sam howell that's great he gets to start and develop him while he's young because you know he's pretty much a rookie still um yep. i love it I love that offensive coordinator hire for out the league. Defensive coordinator, oh man, I probably have to go Steve Wilkes to San Francisco. Yeah. I think that um, they don't miss a beat going from D'Amico to Steve Wilkes. Steve yep. Wilkes is a defensive minded coach. You saw what he did uh, in Carolina when they had nobody except for right. Brian Burns, squad notable. I mean, even brought back Josh Norman out of the coffee shop. <laughs> I know, like, seriously. That's clear desperation. Yeah, so, um, but, you know, he's very good on that side of the ball. So, I think they don't miss a beat in San Francisco with that defensive coordinator hire. I I totally agree. And and I I honestly think that when Andy Reid did his post-Super Bowl interview said, I'm not going anywhere, Eric Biennemi was like, I'm out of (laughs) here. I'm never going to get the head coaching position here. Um, And I love love the move as well. Uh, All right, uh, Scott, give me your uh, best and worst OCDC uh, hires this season. Yeah, so I think my best one is, is actually Jim Bob Cooter, which you, you stole from yes, me earlier. I love um, that one. When he was in Detroit when he was in Detroit, they, they were putting up some numbers and he was strongly talked about as an emerging head coaching candidate going into the last year he was in Detroit and he passed. And he came back and Detroit imploded and, and everything fell apart. So he went from, you know, one of these up and coming coordinators to off the radar now he's having to bring himself back around so i mm-hmm. hope he he gets some uh 
you know, some some success there. And, you know, in terms of worst OC, it's got to be, for me, Bill O'Brien. I mean, we've seen this mm-hmm. guy plenty. He's just another retread. New England did terrible decision last year with Matt Patricia as their OC, which they deserve to uh, to do, you know, nothing, basically. <laughs> and, um, you know, they learned their lesson. And on the D.C. side, you know, again, I'll go Steve Wilkes. Uh, going to San Fran, great team, great mm-hmm. talent. You know, he's going to crush it, and hopefully after next season he'll get an opportunity to get a head coaching job. Yep, agree with that. Um, so, Trev, let me ask you, what about your worst? Your worst OCDC, and, you know, whichever you, whichever you like here, which one shows up as the ones that you, you like the least? Oh, man, let's see. I might have to say Vic Fangio in Miami. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Eagles brought him on to for the Super Bowl to get some help, and that didn't work out very well, as he's clearly. Um, right. He's been in the league forever. He's had some success, but for the most part, nothing to go wow about. Now he's more of a name than I think he is a coach. So I'll take that in Miami. And then offensive coordinator. Wow, let me see. I really haven't paid attention because I've just been watching Eric Bieniemy so far. So. <laughs> it's okay. You don't, you don't have to. You don't have to have a word. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think cool. I have one. Bro. It's cool. I'll pick one for you. I'll pick one for you. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to pick uh, Bobby Slowick in the Houston Texans. I mean, he. Okay. I mean, this doesn't make any sense to me. I, I know he was at the 49ers, and they want him because of the Shanahan's West Coast scheme. But he doesn't really have that much experience, right? He started as a defensive assistant in Washington before going to the 49ers. Again, on the defensive side of the ball, he moved to offense in 2019 as an offensive assistant, took over the offensive passing game coordinator position later on. But what have we seen from the passing offense in San Francisco under Jimmy G, Trey Lance, or Brock Purdy? San Francisco is a run-first team. So picking up their passing game coordinator to head up your offense, it doesn't seem to me any sense to me. So I, I think that uh, – I mean, listen – Maybe he's going to prove me wrong, and he's a he's a brilliant mind. Maybe he learned more from Shanahan than I give him credit for. But you're the Houston Texans, and you are struggling. I don't see the reason of bringing in a guy like that to head up your offense. All right, let's hit the uh, hit the boxing bell and move on to the combine. Because I want to quickly touch on that players to watch at the combine. You know, uh, I you know I said three, but you know what? Pick as many as you want or as little as you want. Um, and I'm going to start with you, Trev. Which players do you want to watch at the combine, and why? That's another one I haven't really paid attention to. So I'm going to just give two names that are floating around there right now. Just okay. I've seen uh, that cornerback on his name, but from Oregon. Um, I think he'll be a nice uh, potential target to watch in the combine. Apparently he's in part of Washington's mock draft. So that's where I got that name. And then mm-hmm. I believe the offensive line Skoranek or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe out of TCU. I think that's going to be a good one too as well. Cause also we need offensive line help. So those are my two personal ones to watch this combine. So you're that. talking about Christian Gonzalez from uh, the cornerback yeah. from Oregon. That's the guy you're talking yeah. about, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely good ones to take a look at. And, Scott, who do you have on your watch list for the Combine? Yeah, so I'm taking a look at uh, Noah Sewell, the, the brother of Panay, uh, mm-hmm. linebacker out of Oregon. Um, yep. Lions need a linebacker. I think he um, he's my target for them in the second round. I also um, am interested in what all these tight ends are doing. It seems like it's a it's a tight end heavy draft. Notre yeah. Dame pumping out one and uh, every year. Meyer and, <laughs> and yeah. Then, yeah, exactly. And then you've got um, you've got uh, Kincaid out of Utah, which that guy is a monster. That, Indeed. that um, championship game they played. I mean, that guy is 
is crazy big. And right. then Darnell Washington out of Georgia. I mean, this yeah. guy's six, seven, six, Like, sign me up. Um, yep. Yeah, and, and so that's that's where I'm looking, all related to Lions' need right now. So um, Okay. I get it. We'll I get it. We got our team favorites. We know we're looking for guys that they're gonna they're gonna hire. I, I or pick up in the draft. I get it. I'm doing the same thing. I'm I'm looking at two wide receivers and I'm looking at two guys on the O line. I'm looking at Zay Flowers, the wide receiver from Boston College. Right now he's being pegged as going late in the first round. I am really interested to see what he does at the combine. He is looks like energy encapsulated. I mean the guy is a slot target that can be all over the place. He's fast. He has great acceleration. And there's only question is his route running and his drops. He's had a lot of drops in college. It'll be interesting to see how he ends up stacking up in the combine drills. I love Quentin Johnston. He, I have a man crush every year in the draft. My man crush this year is Quentin Johnston, the uh, wide receiver out of TCU. Uh, right now he's being looked at in the first round, and I, I agree he has a lot of out there. But there are some questions about his arm extension through the catch and getting out of breaks on routes. I like to see him as well in drills in the combine, but I, I would love to get a hold of him on the Bears. Uh, on the offensive line, I'm looking at two deep, deeper, uh, deeper picks here, and one of them from your Ohio State, uh, Scott. That's Luke Weipler uh, out of Ohio State. You know, he's a, a two-year starter at center from Ohio State. Uh, he's under, a little undersized, but he's very athletic, very quick, great angles. Uh, his arms are a little bit short. He has trouble with power players and bull rush. Uh, and bull rushes off the defense. So I'd like to see how he does on drills as well uh, in the combine. And last but not least, I got a light, little deeper, deeper pick here. He's pegged in the fourth round, Cody Mouch, uh, the offensive tackle out of North Dakota State. He is a uh, great attacking demeanor, very consistent, big drive blocker in the run game. I think he can do a lot to open up the offensive line for the run game, which is where I think the Bears will have to build around um, Justin Fields. Uh, his footwork can be a little bit dicey in pass protection. He can be a little bit grabby uh, on the line because he gets beat sometimes. So I'd love to see how he does on drills at the combine as well. And there you go, guys. We made it to the end of the show, and that is basically all a whole slew of people to watch at the NFL combine, which is going to be so exciting. It's coming up real soon, uh, starting Thursday, March 2nd. At 3 p.m., we'll see defensive linemen and linebackers. On Friday, March 3rd at 3 p.m., defensive backs. We see the quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends on Saturday, March 4th, and the running backs, offensive linemen on Sunday, March 5th. So, all right, right around the corner. All right, all the time we have, we hit the air horn. We we packed it all in again, as we usually do. Happy 300th episode, guys. That's amazing. I think we deserve a round of applause for that one. Don't you think? I think that I think we do. What do you think? Yes? Are we good with that? Yeah. I'm going to add here we go. I'm going to add some cheers on my own just because uh, I, can't, I can't buy it. So here we go. All right, Scott, why don't you give us your social media so people can follow you? Yeah, hit me on uh, NFL Fantasy underscore more. Um, always out there talking. NAS- I know for all the heavy NASCAR fans on the podcast, the uh, season started <laughs> last week. So uh, make sure you uh, look me up. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk. He doesn't pull any punches, folks. Scott does not pull any punches. So you want you want hot takes, you know place to go. All right, Trev, give us your social media so people can follow you. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at TrevHTTC, uh, Instagram, Trev underscore scores. I am on Football Garbage Time right here. I'm on yes, Rest of District with the Stoner and Full Press Commanders, George Carmi as well. Absolutely. And as I always say, you can't get enough of Trev, so definitely check him out in all his podcasts. I don't even accuse him of podcasting around. He can do all the all that he can because you all benefit 
is Travis on more podcasts. That's all I'm saying. So you can follow me on Twitter at FB Garbage Time and on Facebook at the Football Garbage Time page. As always, thank you for listening and wasting time with us. And until next time, enjoy your NFL week. And happy 300th episode to us, guys.